We're taking up again tonight our series in 1 Thessalonians, one of the first churches founded by the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul. And this, along with Galatians, is probably the first of the letters that were written. Indeed, uh, one of the first books of the New Testament. The Gospels weren't written till later. Uh, That is, uh, they were written by the the authors, but they were written after uh, a number of the epistles were. So Paul is looking back from Corinth, looking back at how the Gospel came to Thessalonica. And we've looked at two things already in this regard. We looked at how the gospel uh, came to them and the verse, very famous uh, words, verse 5, for our gospel did not come to you in word only. It did come in word. You must be able to define the truth, but not only in word, but also in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance. And then, the last time we were in this chapter, we looked at how they received the gospel. So the gospel comes to them through the preaching of Paul, Silas, and Timothy, this missionary team, and it comes in the power of the spirits, and then how they received that word. How did they receive it? They received it in faith, in affliction, and in joy of the Holy Spirit. Now, we forget that, don't we? That there is joy in heaven over one sinner, one convert that repents. And there should be great joy amongst the people of God. And now, this evening, we will look at how the word went out from the Thessalonians. Can you see the pattern here? Paul and his companions came preaching the word... So they received it, and having received it, they themselves became transmitters of the word. That's what a church should be like. The word comes to the preacher, so it's not a one-man show here this evening. You receive the word, and then that word goes out from you. That is God's pattern. We're all involved in this. Now we're thinking here of transmission, transmission. You need a powerful signal, don't you, for there to be transmission. I'm with a certain internet provider, and in Wales, I won't mention the provider, but in Wales, there are parts where there is no signal whatsoever. And that can be true when it comes to a spiritual signal. Are we uh, close to the transmitter, the mast, that is Jesus Christ? Because the closer we are to Christ, the stronger the signal and the better the transmission that will come from us to those round about us. Now, Paul is thinking of two things here in terms of the transmission of the gospel from the Thessalonians. And I'm thinking of the same when it comes to us as a church. The first 
thing to do with transmission is the power of example. The power of example. Did you notice the way Paul puts it? So verse 5, the end of verse 5, not only did the gospel come to them in a certain way, but as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. So Paul and his companions didn't just preach a message, they were examples. And that had an effect on these people who believed. And then they became examples to those round about them. And indeed, uh, Paul puts that, doesn't he? Verse 6, you became followers of us and of the Lord, so that you, verse 7, became examples. Isn't that lovely? Isn't that lovely? Paul is rubbing off on these believers, and then they are rubbing off on people round about them. Now, somebody might ask, you said this morning, Pastor, that it's Christ only, that it's not Christ plus Moses, or Christ plus Elijah, or Christ plus whatever person, Christian, I'm looking up to. How can you explain this then, the power of example? Doesn't Paul say in verse 6, you became followers of us and of the Lord? Now, Paul isn't saying, you are to follow my example and Jesus' example. He's not saying that. That would go against Scripture. What he means is this, follow me as I am following Christ. I think uh, the clearer statement is found in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians 11. Verse 1, we know the words, imitate me. Now that's frightening, isn't it? How many preachers or how many of us here this evening can say to others, imitate me? Well, Paul could say it. Why? Just as I also imitate Christ. So what Paul is saying is this. Whatever you see in me of Christ, you take that on board. Don't ape me. Don't ape me. What does it mean to ape? We're not to ape one another. Uh, when I first heard Mr. Hyam powerful preaching, and I noticed that he would do this sometimes. Uh, he would put his finger by his ear, and I thought, I need to do that when I'm preaching. Well, there was nothing in that. He had a hearing aid, didn't he? And so he'd probably be adjusting his hearing aid. Uh, I remember people telling me uh, that when the Aberystwyth Conference started, uh, which met every August in Aberystwyth, and I know Aberystwyth isn't the Mediterranean, but the number of young men you had in Aberystwyth in the middle of summer wearing coats. You see, they were aping Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, who always kept his jacket on because he had bad circulation. When Paul says, imitate me, he's not saying ape me. Follow me as I am following Christ. There'll be some things in me that you will see is not Christ-like, even Paul. But what you see of Christ in me, take on board. 
Uh, the word for followers, imitators, is pattern, mold. One commentator says people learn from models caught as well as ideas taught. That's true, isn't it? It's not just teaching that affects us, but when you see somebody that's living according to that teaching, it's powerful, it's powerful. But we don't ape them. Now, when I was last mentioning this, uh, because we talked about this in terms of Paul coming to Thessalonica with a sore back. Paul had come from Philippi, and because he had been beaten up and imprisoned and put in chains in Philippi for preaching the gospel, Paul wasn't put off by that. He believed God had called him, so he went to the next major city and did exactly the same thing. So he came to Thessalonica with scars. And that's a powerful, powerful witness, isn't it? When men are preaching the gospel and are being persecuted for it, the authorities think that by persecuting the church, they're going to put an end to it. But it's the reverse that happens. The more Christians are persecuted, the more the church seems to grow and the more they flourish. That's because of the power of example. What's more powerful than ordinary believers, not just apostles and preachers and missionaries, but ordinary believers receiving the word, following Christ, not just in difficult situations, but when they're being persecuted. Now, when people see that, they take notes, don't they? Now, we're not to pray for persecution. The Bible never teaches us to do that. But if persecution was to happen, I believe in my heart that it would have a positive effect on the church. Think of the church in China these last few decades, how the church has mushroomed under intense persecution. So we don't ape, we don't ape. We see something of Christ in another believer. I gave this example when we were last in these verses, and I didn't get round to doing it. Star-shaped biscuits, star-shaped cookies. If you bake them, you have a baking tray that has that mold, that has that shape of a star, don't you? So each biscuit has the same mold, but each biscuit is its own biscuit, one can say that of a biscuit. It's all got its individual characteristics. And so this is what we mean by imitating Paul or imitating another Christian. It does not mean that we ape them and mimic them in every detail. It does not mean that our personalities are changed into their personalities. That's not Christianity. That's what the cults do. What it means is this, that with our characteristics, and we've all got them, and you've got to praise God for that, there can only be one you. Now, maybe you're saying, thank God, there can only be one me. Well, you're all unique. But what grace does, it doesn't change our personalities. It doesn't make Christians into one blob of clones what grace does is purify our personalities. It 
transforms our personalities so that we become Christ-like, so that the mold becomes more like Christ, but we still retain our individual characteristics. Isn't that lovely? So we can all be different. That's the glory of the church. And yet, as God has made us, we are all becoming more Christ-like as well. It's easy, isn't it, for a powerful personality to so influence another person that they are just being affected by the power of that person. I think Paul could have done that. He was such a great man, such a great intellect, and yet he held back, he held back. He wanted Christ's power to influence others through him. Did you play with magnets as a child? Those um, horseshoe-shaped magnets. And you had iron um, pieces, and then a piece of iron was attracted to the magnets. And then that piece of iron is charged, isn't it, by the magnets? And so that piece of iron attracts another piece of iron. This is what was happening in Thessalonica. The great magnet is the Holy Spirit, Christ, the gospel in the power of the spirits. And then that, uh, as it were, charges Paul as he and his companions go and preach it in Thessalonica. And then that charges these believers. And then they become charged and they then become examples to those round about them. It's a wonderful thing, the power of example. It works both ways, doesn't it? Uh, when you have children and as they grow up, you rightly say to them, make sure you don't mix in certain company. It will have a bad effect on you. Quite right. But the lovely thing here is it can work the other way around. A Christian can have a good effect on people round about him. Imagine if that was to happen more and more in our day, in your workplace, in your school, in your university, in your home. The power of a transformed life. What did we sing? It's not about me forcing my ideas on you or you doing it with somebody else. We hold back. May the mind of Christ, my Savior, live in me from day to day by his love and power controlling all I do and say and through me touching other people. Now, as workers in the church, we are working our way through Phil Riken's book, Loving the Way Jesus Loves. I can thoroughly recommend it. It's based on Jonathan Edwards' sermons on 1 Corinthians 13. And what I like about this book is the examples he gives. And in Romania, there was a pastor called Richard Wormbrandt. I know some of you may have even heard him when he came over to this country. And here was a man who suffered for the gospel. And here's the power 
of example for you. Let me just give you an example. He was kidnapped by the secret police while he was on his way to church. He was put in prison and he spent 14 years in captivity under the communists. And over this time, he suffered appalling deprivations. He was mocked and beaten, burned and frozen, brainwashed, as the communists did, and abused. For hours on end, the communists told him, nobody loves you anymore, nobody loves you anymore, nobody loves you anymore. Now, if it was up to us, we would just have given up, wouldn't we, in that kind of situation? But this is how Wernbrandt put it. In solitary confinement, we could not pray anymore as before. We were unimaginably hungry. We had been doped until we became idiots. We were as weak as skeletons. The Lord's prayer was too long for us. They couldn't concentrate, you see. And then he says, my only prayer repeated again and again was, Jesus, I love thee. And then one glorious day, I got the answer from Jesus. You love me? Now I will show you how much I love you. And at once I felt a flame in my heart which burned like the sun. I knew the love of the one who gave his life for me. And you had that being repeated again and again, not just with a pastor, but with ordinary believers and the power of that example. The church in Romania today is declining spiritually because things are much easier. Under the persecution of the communists, the church was thriving. The power of example. That, that, that's my first example, if you pardon the pun. What, what did we sing? Take time to be holy. The world rushes on. Think of Wernbrand in his prison cell. Spend much time in secrets with Jesus alone. By looking to Jesus, like him, you shall be. And then your friends in your conduct, his likeness, will see. Now, we are not thinking of hours and hours of prayers. Wormbrand couldn't even put words together to pray the Lord's Prayer. Spend time with Jesus. Look to him. Talk to him. And it rubs off, it rubs off. So the power of example. And then there's something else here as well in terms of transmitting the gospel. Not just the power of example, but the gospel echo. Uh, where do I get the word echo from? Verse 8. For from you the word of the Lord has sounded forth. Now that word sound forth, it's the word echo, echo in the original Some people think of it as rolling thunder. When you have thunder, then there is an echo, isn't there? Uh, others think of it as uh, the, uh, the sound of a loud trumpet. It doesn't matter what, what it was. Whether Paul is thinking, Stott says, of thunder or trumpets, the gospel proclaimed by the Thessalonians made a loud noise which seemed to reverberate through the hills and valleys of Greece. Look at the geography here. You uh, need to know a bit of geography just to stand in amazement at what he's saying. So that you became examples to all in Macedonia. Macedonia was the region in northeast Greece where Thessalonica was. It was about the same size as Wales, right? So here's the transmission. 
uh, the example, the echo of the gospel. It's going over all of Macedonia, uh, an area the size of Wales, in a matter of days and weeks, is hearing about what's been happening in Thessalonica. Isn't that amazing? They didn't have our technology. They didn't have phones. They didn't have television. They didn't have the internet. They didn't have social media. Word of mouth. And then it's even more amazing, not just in Macedonia, but Achaia. Achaia is the peninsula part of Greece. And to go from Macedonia to Achaia, you have to cross several mountain ranges. Several. And so, in a matter of weeks, the gospel has gone from Thessalonica, spread across an area the size of Wales, and spread even further across very difficult terrain, all the way down the peninsula of Greece. And it's even more amazing, Paul says, in every place, your faith towards God has gone out, so that we don't need to say anything. Paul is saying, it's as if I'm redundant I don't need to go around preaching the gospel anymore because you, believers, have caused the sound to echo. Wonderful. There's nothing wrong, of course, in having preachers. There's nothing wrong in having evangelists and other church workers. But there is everything wrong when we think that it's those who are in Christian ministry who are meant to be spreading the gospel. That's not New Testament Christianity. In the New Testament, it's every one of us who are transmitters of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Every one of us. There's a spontaneity. Look at the book of Acts. This is the only history of the church you have in the New Testament. Look at chapter 2 of Acts. Note the way it is put. This, this is the life of God amongst a people. The end of chapter 2. 3,000 people have just been converted and you have a church. And what happens then? Verse 44 of Acts 2. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. They were just living out their Christian identity, weren't they? And what about Acts chapter 5? Acts chapter 5, it sounds similar. Acts chapter 5, the end of the chapter, verse 42. And daily in the temple and in every house they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. There's no mention there of certain staff who were doing the preaching. And the other believers were just sitting back. They were all involved. And then, this is maybe the most remarkable one, chapter 8 of Acts, and this is during the persecution that arose. Chapter 8, at that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And you would have thought that they would have all have panicked and thought that it was all over. But it wasn't. It was just about to begin. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. 
And then we're told, uh, verse 4 of Acts 8, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Now you will know that the word for preaching there isn't proclaiming as I'm doing this evening. It's gossiping the word. And then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached, that is, he proclaimed Christ to them. So there you've got both. You've got preachers like Paul and Silas and Timothy and myself and others. And then you've got every believer who is speaking the word, the echo of the gospel going out. That's what happens when God is at work. Every one of us is an evangelist in that sense. Every one of us has got a story to tell. Every one of us can say to people, come and hear what the Lord has done for me. Every one of us. What's wrong? Why has the church today delegated that only to certain people? We're going backwards. Haven't you got something to tell? We don't have to be great theologians. Come, come and meet a man who forgave me my sin, who's given me a hope of heaven, who's not just left me where I'm at, He's with me every day. He provides for me. Come, this is not just something that happened to me how many, many years ago I was saved. Even these last few weeks, he's helped me. Come, I've got something to tell you. Shouldn't it be like that? I, I, I think this is wonderful, you see. You, you don't need the internet. We do need... We, we do need to make use of it. I don't want anybody thinking tonight that we shouldn't make use of all the good gifts that God has given us. But what I'm trying to say is there is a method of evangelism available that doesn't cost anything, that doesn't require any workers, that doesn't require specialist knowledge of the use of modern technology, and that is New Testament's echo. Every believer living out the gospel where God has put them. Have you heard what has happened to so-and-so? Whenever that happens these days, it's, have you heard what happened so-and-so? Problems in another church. Have you heard of so-and-so, a great preacher that's fallen? It wasn't like that in Thessalonica. It wasn't like that in Greece. It wasn't like that where Paul went preaching. It was, have you heard of so-and-so? They've been transformed. They used to be such an unpleasant person. But now something has happened to them. All of a sudden, they are the easiest of people to live with. Oh, what's happened to them? Oh, they heard this man preach, and he preached about a Jesus who could transform your life and save your soul, and they have been changed. Wouldn't it be lovely if we heard more 
of such accounts. And when we do hear of such things, isn't that what we should concentrate on? I uh, was telling some people over lunch about a lady in West Wales. She'd never heard the gospel. She'd never been to an evangelical church. This is just a couple of years ago. And then she just happened to tune in to Paul Washer, that powerful American evangelist. And she was convicted of sin and she was gloriously saved. And you know what? She didn't think there was any other Christian in Wales. That's what she thought. There's no other person in Wales that had this experience. And then Paul Washer got in touch with Alfred Place Church in Aberystwyth. And they put this lady in touch with the nearest evangelical church. And she's still going strong with the Lord. And it's so invigorating to hear And God is still working. I'm not saying he isn't working. But, oh, my friends, we are to be those who are echoing, echoing the gospel. I've got to come to a conclusion here, but listen to Spurgeon. Holy living is a grand pulpit. A godly character has a louder voice in it than the most eloquent tongue. Character is a chrysostom. That means golden mouth. Uh, A holy life. Uh, is a complete publication of the gospel that Paul even did not need to say anything. Uh, Shall I ever feel that I have little need to preach in words since my people preach far better by their lives? I think I can say that of so many of you good people here. You live out the gospel, and I just want to encourage you to keep on doing it. Just be what Christ has called you to be where he has put you and pray for those God-given opportunities and pray that we would all have a closer walk with Christ, that we would have a strong signal with him so that people would just see something of Jesus in us. Now, I want to encourage us. Uh, We had a lovely, lovely example in the last few weeks of how the gospel has just reverberated from this church, echoed uh, across the world. Uh, We had uh, somebody here many, many, many years ago, Klaus Peter, uh, the older members will uh, know him, and he was sent from this church as a missionary to Asia, and he went first to Nepal, right? So the echo of the gospel went from Heath Church in Cardiff all the way to Nepal, Uh, many, many decades ago. Now, when we sent a gift to India the last few weeks, we sent one gift to a pastor in Nepal. And he wrote back to us. And this is what he said. Dear respected pastor leaders and all the health church family. He calls us health church. That's good, isn't it? Uh, This is Pastor Thomas Raj of Grace Church, Kathmandu, Nepal. We are very happy to inform you that we have received the money from you of Health Church. And he goes on to say, I searched the website for your church name. Then I found your church email and also I found some information about Klaus Peter Kugler. It made me clear that you know our spiritual father named Klaus Kugler. It made clear that Klaus is from your church Because of him, we came to know the Lord Jesus as our saviour. We are one of the tribe 
people of Nepal who was with us many years ago in our midst, and listen to this, and drew us to Christ, drew us to Christ. And we would like to thank you very much from the hearts for your kind love, care, and support to us in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We appreciate you from the bottom of our hearts again for your godly hearts to support us. My friends, that's the echo, the echo. Who would have thought that when Klaus Peter was sent to Nepal uh, all those decades ago, that that work, uh, and he moved on from Nepal to Irian Jaya, but that work in Nepal, that the echo should come back, should come back and encourage us. Isn't that what echo does? It reverberates across you know, I, I, I just thank God. I just thank God for something like that. I thank God for finding myself sometimes in parts of the country or even parts of the world where the echo of the gospel in this church has been instrumental in converting somebody and then taking them across the world. My, my friends, let us be encouraged. Let, let us be transmitters of the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm not the only one. The other church workers are not the only one. If God wills and we add to our staff an assistant or others, that is not going to be the only way of transmitting the gospel. You are all involved, one way or the other. And may we all be drawn closer to Christ so that the power of him goes through us the power of example and the echo of our feeble words i feel so feeble preaching here i'm so broken in my speech <laughs> i'm just a vessel of clay but it doesn't matter it doesn't matter because it's the power of the spirit may the echo go from us and may it in god's time come back to us uh, for his name's sake now we're going to sing a hymn in closing. Love divine, all loves excelling. Joy of heaven to earth come down. Fix in us, Jesus Christ, fix in us thy humble dwelling. All thy faithful mercies crown. And if you're singing, um, it's at home and you can't see the screen. It's 604 in the hymn book.
Father, we praise Thee that we have heard the joyful sound in so many different ways and over so many years that Jesus saves. And we thank Thee, Father, for the amazing privilege, whether we're in ministry or not, for being transmitters of that gospel signal. And we're so sorry, Lord, so sorry that we are not more Christ-like. Oh, Lord, just help us to be gossipers, not of the things that the world gossips about, uh, nor of things uh, that are still gossip, but with a spiritual cloak. But let us gossip Christ. Let us say to people, hear what the Lord has done for me. Oh, we just praise thee that we can be encouraged from the reverberation of the gospel, even from our little church and our little lives. And Father, only eternity will show uh, what uh, thou hast done over these years. So help us now and be with us. And may the grace of Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forever. Amen.